Amen. No, it's all good. Thanks for being here. I feel so much better than last week. Oh, it was terrible last week. I just, I just, it was, yeah, it probably was painful listening to me, like worse than normal, you know, because the, the loud and the voice tone and inflection, it kind of goes, okay, yeah, I don't need my blood pressure to go up again. Um, but thanks for being here. We start an eight-week series today. And it's hard. It's a hard series. Um, it's going to challenge us. I know that because it's challenging me. Um, that's usually a good sign. Um, it's, not, it's not a service where, like, you can put the word out and, like, everybody and their, and their puppy will come because it just elicits great feelings and, and just uh, the warm fuzzies. Well, no, it's Jesus' word taken as it is. And um, we're thankful that we don't have to water it down. We thankful, we're thankful for our freedom, vets, because we're in a place where we get to worship Jesus completely free. And um, I know a place, not to mention any names, China, that, that has these underground churches. And, and people will, will go and worship in an underground church and they'll stagger their arrival by three hours. Some will come three hours early, two and a half, two hours early, an hour early, just so it's not obvious that they're meeting. And so you think, oh, they're putting their faith on the line completely. And they, and they live for worship. That's something that we could benefit from. Oh, not taking away our freedom, but understanding that in living for Christ all the more bold, all the more bold. David Platt, he, um, he took over a, a church, a Birmingham Baptist Church, I think it was, um, quite a while ago. Had about 4,500 people, okay, 200 more than us, not a big deal. And um, thank you. Thank you. Not even to the cartoons yet. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, he said, he met with his elders, and he said, there's so much to be said about, about church, churches growing. And the elders were like, yeah, we've got to get this to 8,000. We've got to get this to grow large. Got to reach people at any cost. Going to get big for Christ. He's like, no, 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 we're missing it. We're missing it, not about numbers. It's about developing one person at a time. That's why, oh no. Oh, oh my goodness. At the, at the start of the service, I was, I was like, uh, it was right behind me. That's why we just take care in meeting, finding people to mentor. And uh, more and more people are, are starting to get people to mentor, to go through discipleship and to meet and to pray with. So we're getting close to at least getting an initial read on this because we want, we want people to get in 
get in touch with one another in pairs and like, and like disciple each other. And uh, somebody who maybe knows more than you spiritually could be really to your advantage, really a lot. And so um, more to come on this. Oh, gracious. Um, David Platt, we are giving in to the dangerous temptation to take the Jesus of the Bible and twist him into a version of Jesus we are more comfortable with. And so, and so, I, I can identify with that. I've reduced the gospel to make it comfortable for me and to make me feel like I can pat myself on the back at the end of the day. And, and the bar is not the church and the pastor down the street. The bar is Christ. So, so we just, let me unpack this and see if it doesn't resonate with you as it did with me. I am throwing an APB out on my bottle. I found it right here. And um, I, just, uh, I just need to have a drink because my mouth is dry. You ready for the funnies? Yes. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, the first one is like me uh, and my staff, okay? Picture this, me and my staff. I'm trying to be like Jesus. I told people to come follow me, and they did. Lord, now what? No, God is not female. Don't go there. God is always in the masculine. You said take up lacrosse and follow, follow you. Now what? Okay, not bad. Not bad. Okay. Hey, Jesus, I desire to have. So Jesus, today, would you give us a sense of your direction and would you impart your truth to us that we could become changed vessels according to your word, according to your precepts, really looking deeply at our lives and making changes where needed. Holy Spirit, you're not a vending machine as, as I tried to play that out last week and let people know that's how I often treat you sometimes. And forgive me of that. So make your word come all the more alive as we ask you to clear out anything gray or dark in our mind that would keep us from listening in this short time. Jesus, we thank you for getting us here today. That's so much of it. We love you, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. So I desire, this is me. This is me. I talk about me a lot because it's okay. And um, I go, well, you know what? If I struggle, I know my friends struggle too. And so we can be transparent. I want money to travel. And, and we, listen, I have 
pretty good money to travel. Thanks be to the Lord. So we think about where we're going to go. We think about, oh, well, when would we get there and how would that work itself out? Liz is with Gracie in, in child care today if you want to know. Well, where's Liz? You're talking about her, but I don't see her. A nice car. A nice car. Liz and I share a 2014 car. Um, uh, it's older, um, but we want it to be nice. We want it to give the appearance of we've got, we've got a nice car. Now, we share it. So that's kind of weird sometimes when she has to go somewhere and I have to go somewhere um, and then I have to get home by a certain time and I'm late. That doesn't go well. Upgrades to our home. We think about, no, no, no. I think about, I can't wait till we get this done in the home. It's going to look so pretty. It's going to just, it's going to welcome people and it's going to make going to make us feel good when we welcome people because they don't really care. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but upgrades. I think about upgrades to our home probably seven times to the one time about all the, all the homeless around me and all the poor around me. And you're a pastor. Shame on you. Oh, your ratio is not much better probably. And if it is, maybe you could mentor me. You know? Somebody, uh, okay. Um, a nice watch. Ooh, the Ultra 2. It does so much. I can tell you my blood oxygen level right now. I can tell you my pulse. It's normally up when I'm speaking. Thanks for asking. You see, you see, it goes on and on. I put friends that I often connect with because I'm such a people person that sometimes I'll just, I'll get involved with another person. Instead, what Jesus says, get back with me. I've got more for you. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. I got to go. I got to go. Catch up with me later, God. I got ants in my pants. I'm hyperactive. You know that if you spent some time with me. So, so these are the things. But here's the thing. Have I not just defined a sweet middle-class American Christian prosperity family? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Let's, let's take it down and go a little further. Maybe I'm living out the prosperity gospel while attempting to live out the American dream with a Christian spin. Yeah, wow. I see my fellow pastors in other countries and it's nothing like what we have. It's, 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 it's far more desperate. It's far more desolate. It's far more hurtful and painful and sacrificial. Thank you, Lord, that I was birthed in the U.S. of A. Thank you for that. But now can I be responsible to live here? And do it to where I honor you, Lord. Because I'm missing out on spiritual blessings for me and my family and my church. Because I've, my thinking is skewed, Lord. My thinking is skewed. Maybe I'm attempting to blur key passages to justify my chance to live the American dream. I do it. You might do it. I know I do it. So 
I'm in week one of eight weeks, and every sermon's going to be different, but let's just see what the Word of God says and see if it brings transformation to one person at a time. And we'll all rejoice as we see other people changing right in front of our eyes. Glory to God for that opportunity. Look at this. Perhaps I love his gifts more than the work he is calling me to do. We want his blessing. Give me favor. Love your blessings. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for doing that. Okay, Don. Now get back into my word. Oh, no, no, no. We're celebrating. We celebrate this week. Monday. Got Monday. Got Monday. I don't know how you play it out, but that's sometimes how I play it out. And it's shame on me. Because it's like, how, how about the person and work of Christ? How about understanding the person and work of Jesus Christ and knowing him? You can read a systematic theology book by Dr. Wayne Grudem. I highly recommend it. It's incredible. Because you get all the doctrinal positions. You get all the, uh, all the scripture in a nutshell right in front of you, right before you. And it's, it's just, it's, it's ultra-engaging. And it's just, it's, it's mind-opening and heart-opening. But you've got to set time to study for that. That, the benefits of Jesus, feel so much better. I want to have fun. I want to go out to lunch again and have fun. I want to I wanna just, just make things in life feel good. I hate not feeling good when I have to go into the house and be alone and isolate and open up my word and spend time with Jesus. I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. It doesn't make me, doesn't have those, those, uh, those chemicals, that dopamine in my brain. And God said, how can you serve me? When your spirit's empty. How can you serve me when your spirit's empty, Pastor Don? Oh. When I desired to follow Christ, and when you desired to follow Christ, tell me, was that close to the plan? Look at it and give me a nod yes or a, or a shake your head no. Check it out. Bless you. So is that, is that something that basic, basic Christianity 101? It's the basics, right? And you come, you need a Savior. Savior wants to save you. You know, you're a sinner. So what you do is you just confess. I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus, you're God. And you receive him into your heart. So I come back to church. Hey, things are good. Fire insurance, doing well. World ends today. I'm going to heaven. God said I was. It's all good. But here's what I fail to see. Peeling the onion back as they make that profession of faith. Here's what I fail to see in that decision. Luke 14 seems to share that following Christ literally means, literally means, 
quite a transformation. If anyone comes to me, Jesus says, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He didn't tell me that when I got born again. But as I go into his word, I'm seeing it from Jesus himself. And then how long do we spend watering it down? To the words blur. Can't read it anymore. I accept Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Great. But what are we going to do with the passage here? What are we going to do? Now, you can't hate your family. That's not the word of God. What he's saying here is your love for Jesus, your love for him would be so great, it would seem like hate. It would seem like hate because your love for God is that grandiose. That's what he's saying there. It's funny because my wife would kind of balk at this because I would excuse myself from hanging out in the living room watching TV and she goes, where are you going? I said, I got to get with Jesus again. She's like, okay. Like, you know, at first, like, that's rude. And then over time, I'd come out and I'd be, I'd be a, different, a different husband. Ultra transformed. Having spent time with Jesus and I would love her better. And now it's like, okay, yeah, go. <laughs> Matter of fact, sometimes, don't you need to go back there and get that straightened out or something? You know, I mean, there's, there's things that come up like that. But here at the bottom... I'm not talking about doing more at church or giving more. Now, if God calls you to give more, nobody's going to say, nope, uh, let's pray about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, that's a good thing. That's an outcome of what we're going to be talking about. Not to be at the church another night. No, you don't have to do that. Unless the Lord's asking you to start a ministry. Start a specific ministry at home in your neighborhood, or right here. What we're talking about is abiding in Jesus all day and night. Taking his thoughts, I'm sorry, taking thoughts captive, remembering his ways and thoughts. Taking thoughts captive, the devil comes after you and starts putting messages in your brain and it's not good thinking, it's stinking thinking. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, you can write that down and say, Lord, this is not of you. Um, um, I'm giving it to you and casting it out in your sweet name because your word doesn't align with it. That's the kind of thing that's walking and abiding with Jesus. That's the kind of thing that we're, that we're looking for here. That's the kind of thing. Remembering his ways. We have this time that we call devotion, right? And it's in the morning usually. And we have this time where we're one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and we're thinking and we're reading and we're praying and we're meditating. But then when we put that down, within two minutes, I can be in my car. Somebody can cut me off, yell at me, tell me I'm number one. And, and at the whole time, at the whole time, I can go from... God, you're wonderful, to, man, I'm angry. Oh, this is atrocious. This person needs to hit the wall and burn. So it's just, it's abiding in him all day.
It's, it's thinking about him when you're meeting with others. It's thinking about him when you're out with other people. When you're out shopping, it's, think, it's having him on your mind. Yes, play music, that's Christian. Yes, listen to sermons. All those things. But we're looking at this, at this abiding to say, Jesus, you are clearly number one. He's designed life that way. And if we're not participating, we're not going to receive that little heaven on earth. Not prosperity upgrades to my house. Prosperity, no, 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 no. That does come, though. That does come when you're a giver. And, and, and when you really give cheerfully, God does allow you things like that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But it's always going back, Lord, am I being right? Am I being a good steward? And if we can get the idea that we're missing blessings because we're not taking him around everywhere, we're not, we don't have him on our mind, we don't have him on a, on a three-by-five card on the dashboard in our, in our cars, we, we, can, we can find so much more spiritual fulfillment, and that's going to give us hope in life. So this, this is something really huge. How about this? Luke 9 seems to share that following Christ literally means quite a life transformation. Second verse! Second verse. And I've been in Luke. He writes to Gentiles. Actually, he writes to this Roman official named Theophilus. But it, it's, it's really to Gentiles. So it's fitting for us. It's fitting for us, right? Uh, actually, all the scripture is. Um, but Luke 9.23 uh, Jesus said to them, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So taking up your cross was an instrument of death. It was crucifixion. You're taking up your instrument of death. So in our day, in our day and time, that would be like, that would be like, we, we, we take the firing squad with us in that first picture. Take your firing squad. Know at any time you could be the target. That was the expectation. Take the noose. Take hanging. We still do hangings in the United States, I believe. Take the noose. Take the gas chamber with you. Take the gas chamber with you. And follow him. Deny yourself. Well, six or seven to one in looking at renovations for my house, six or seven renovation times or thoughts to one time thinking about the poor, <laughs> deny himself. <laughs> Maybe I need to reevaluate that. And I do. And I do. But that's the equivalent right there. Take up our cross, his cross, which means that that, that Roman cross that he carried always meant death. It always means death. And so, United States of America, not yet. It wouldn't be death for us. But, but I'm the opposite. I'll run from uncomfortable situations sometime. And we're just being challenged to get into uncomfortable situations sometime. Check this out here. It's a little lengthy, but it's really good. Um, sit back. You won't be bored. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus looks at his disciples and tells them, 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. In Roman times, the cross was seen as a terrifying object of torture, suffering, and execution. If you were carrying a cross, you were on your way to be crucified. When Jesus makes this statement, the disciples must have been terrified. It wasn't an easy thing to hear. So what does it mean to carry your cross? Let's go to the scene of the agony in the garden. Jesus is praying to God the Father. He is sweating drops of blood because he is so petrified in his humanity of the events that were about to unfold. He knew very well that he was about to be taken away and sentenced to death on a cross. And he prays the prayer. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26:39. Jesus knows that it is the Father's will that he carries that cross and he dies on that cross. But he willfully accepts this because of his perfect submission to God's will and his love for you and for me. He knows what he will go through will be very painful and he will suffer very much. But he knows that God's plan will triumph and he will rise again on the third day in the victory of the resurrection. To carry your cross means to fully put your trust in God amid the storms and the battles in your life. It means that although you may be in an extremely difficult or even painful situation, you trust that God is with you in the midst of your suffering, and He's with you every step of the way. As Christians, we try to live our life according to the will of God. We commit to following His commandments, and we do not live as the culture tells us to. Truly, we are counter culture. Living this way comes with persecution, temptation, and pain. But we must carry our cross for Christ. Just as he said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Just as Christ rose again on the third day, those who love God and trust in him and live by his will shall have victory whether it be in this life or the next to carry your cross is to answer the call and see that's just it some of us get called to a ministry 
Some of us get called to a place that God wants to do something in and through us. And for, for some reason, we just, we just shut him down. No, not me, not now. No. And then we, we give up his blessing. And then we find out in life something else comes along, brings us down. And then instead of, instead of answering a call that he might be giving to us, we're actually knee-deep in worldly stuff. And oftentimes it gets the best of us. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I used to really serve God and think about him a lot and abide in him, carry my cross. But the world's just got us and takes us. James chapter 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee. We seem to forget that at times. Hey, read this passage with me. When Jesus calls his first disciples in Matthew 4, what can we surmise about the call? So, say these disciples, say that they're being called away to, uh, to another ministry, because they are <laughs> the best ministry in the world. It says here, Matthew 4, 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. So tell me, this is where you participate. What are some things you think they're facing as a fresh call from the Lord? What are some things that they're facing? Just call it out. Fear would be great. Absolutely. What else? Rejection would be great. What else? Livelihood, leaving it. Yes. What else? Thank you. The unknown, yes. What else? Excited. Uh, yeah, they were. Who said that? Well, I'm going to argue that they were a scared excited. A scared excited. Because if you go and you're bold, we call that courage. Where you know what's right. And there's an inexpressible peace. Or, or inexpressible. Yeah, inexpressible peace and joy that they would possess. Being followers of him but very, very unknown scary. Took a lot of courage. So check this out. Abandoned comfort, leap of faith, the courage to step out of the familiar and leaving my comfort zone, leaving their comfort zone. So you think about these things. This is the expectation. No, it's the first century. It's long gone. <laughs> this doesn't have relevance today. Tell them that in China. Tell them that in countries where you can't worship open and free. And maybe someday here, will we be ready? So here's the question with this. When has this happened in our lives as we follow Christ. Maybe he wants you to take a class. Maybe he wants you to lead your family at home in a Bible devotion for the family in prayer time. You're like, that's out of my comfort zone. Plus, Seinfeld's on at 6.30 on cable. And, and we love Seinfeld. And so, but it's out of the comfort zone. It's okay. Um, um, step out and, from the familiarity. This is so different. It just, it just doesn't feel right. 
And there's going to be rejection. You tell your neighbors, you invite your neighbors, be like, well, I guess that would be persecution. Blessed are the persecuted, we see in the Beatitudes. And so, and so we're going, okay. So, so, so what is it in this expectation? To close today, let's look at three people. Okay, that sounds long, Pastor Dan. We could be here till 11.30. No, 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 no. It's quick. Three people who want to follow Jesus. And Jesus kind of tucks them out of it. Well, not really. You'll see. Know the call on your life is great. What we're going to do with it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Here we go. In Luke 9, three people who pursue Jesus to follow him. These are people who wanted to join him on his way to Jerusalem. And so look to see, as we're trying to contemplate, Lord, how can I love you so much that it looks like my family is a distant second, even though I'll love them better after I've loved you first well. How can I deny myself? It's so uncomfortable. I'll have to start small. I'll have to start small. And then take up my cross to follow you because there's spiritual treasures I've not unlocked yet. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm in my 50s. And there's still spiritual treasures I have not unlocked that were meant for me here on earth until I go be with you. Oh, Bad pastor. Bad pastor. But yet God, in his mercy, he lets me keep pastoring. He lets me keep moving forward with you together. And we go and we grow together. As they were walking along the road, a man said, Wah, said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Why do you think a man at, at Luke 9 would want to follow Jesus just out of the blue. Well, because they would have seen, hey, he's the next big thing. He's doing miraculous things. What he says really stirs up a lot of people. This guy has some power. He's feared by a lot of people. This could be fun. This could be a, this could be a good gig. And so what's weird is, is, is that's the why. Somebody would just want to cling to him. But look what he says. Look what he says. Oh gosh, look what he says. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Why is this so? He could have gotten the means to buy a house, but he's doing the Father's will. He's on the move. He's busy, 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 going from place to place, town to town, no place to lay his head. That does not strike people fondly, especially if you think this is going to be a good time. Quick to follow the guy was. We don't know if he did or not. But Jesus points out the truth. Before you say you're going to follow me, just take a listen to this. Give it some consideration. No easy, no easy believism here. 
he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my, my hamster. Just kidding. Um, my father. So, so here, here we're going, what's the problem here? First go bury my father. Anybody have any idea? His father's probably not dead. That's, that's the consensus from all the uh, uh, Greek scholars. Because it would have said, let me bury, dig the hole and bury him now. But either he was sick or not sick yet. This guy wanted to wait a little while to follow Jesus. He's living with his father, taking care of him. That's a good thing. But Jesus is saying, I'm the better thing. I'm the better thing. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Folks, this is different than what, we've, than what I was taught for years growing up in the church. This is quite different. And I'm a little embarrassed, some of the roads that I've taken. But God allows U-turns. He allows us to grow right from now. And he's pleased with the idea that we would even want to. And spiritual treasures to unlock to find blessing in our family that we can't even fathom that we could and will have as we do it as he's assigned us and asked us to. Last but not least, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now that's not unreasonable, okay? That's not unreasonable. We see that in the Old Testament. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, he questions commitment. It's like just to go back. Here's what the research says. If you're thinking, I want to go, I want to make a commitment. You know what? There's a church membership class and baptism information class next week after church. And you're going, you know what? I should make a commitment to the church the bride of Christ. That would honor God. And I'd find blessing in my life. That's true. That's true. But you know what this says? Yeah, I'm going to sign up this week. I can sign up through Wednesday. It's fine. What this says, if you wait on decisions, oftentimes you won't come back. By Wednesday, you'll, you'll have a list of things from the world that long that's bombarded you. Say, I can't do that. <laughs> no way. Not this month. No. So that's what Jesus is saying. You're motivated right now to call somebody when you get out of church and love them, apologize for something, apologize for your part of the wrong, go and do it right after church. Matter of fact, go do it now if you need to. Don't wait on it because you will have every idea from the adversary as to why you shouldn't do it and you won't do it. That's what we're getting at here. That's what we're seeing here. Jesus makes, Jesus makes it known that it's not going to be easy to follow him. Here's the challenge in question as our music peeps come forward. How are we missing out on true living because we're not following Christ as he intended? 
You want peace like nothing else. And in going in hard times to do hard things, right there, follow what Christ is telling you to do. Tell somebody else about it. Peace unlike the world gives. And two, how will we step out in faith today to change an unhealthy routine that we have in place and let joy come and fill that void, that emptiness? Joy unlike what the world gives. Those are the two things. Or maybe your heart, your heart is hard. It's like, I don't want to do anything like that. I don't even want to really be here. God accepts and it loves you just like that. Just like that, he loves you. We'll take you and embrace you and comfort you and bring you to a place where you're going to say, okay, Jesus, what's next? Oh, the hardening of the heart. God can take it. Well, I yelled and cussed at God last night for like an hour. He'll never forgive me. Poppycock. Yes, he will. 100%. The unpardonable sin is blasphemy. Rejection of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe you're God. I don't believe you can come into my life and save me. I reject you. That's the unpardonable sin. Because you're not born again with that. So as the music plays, something different today. Why not something different, huh? With someone around you. If you're comfortable, ooh, that would be a really big step out of faith. <laughs> Get with somebody by you and say, what can we pray for you for? What can I pray for you for? Get with three or four people. If you're a real introvert and you go, but pastor, I don't like people. I come here because we don't get up a lot. Then just, then just kind of not make eye contact with anybody. And just like you're praying right now. That's okay too. But, but this is designed to minister to people who may be hurting out there. Who just need a prayer or a hug. Or some sort of encouragement on the spot. If that doesn't work, if that's not going to happen, you can come forward. And you can, uh, you can give your life to Christ. You can rededicate your life. Um, you can say, I'm going to make a commitment and come pray at the altar and make it between you and the Lord. So you decide. No pressure. It's between you and Jesus.